A very good morning to all of you. We're going to begin today's uh, sermon. I want you to think along with me. You have just completed your meeting. You have met with fellow Christians in a nice place. You're on your way out. You're going to the marketplace. You're going there for your breakfast to continue with your fellowship. As you turn to the corner, you come across a Roman contingent. The centurion standing in front. Behind him, his team of soldiers, the crack troops of the Roman army. He is a friendly centurion. You know him, one of your neighbors. He waved to you, you waved to him. He motioned you to come forward. And then he says, You know what to do. He points to the statue of Caesar, Augustus Caesar, formerly known as Octavian. You know what to do. You take out a denarius from your pocket. Your friends did the same thing. You went forward before the statue of Octavian. You threw the denarius into the pile of coins which already formed as a mountain. And then you smile at him and you continue your, walking your way. The centurion looked at you again. Your friendly centurion. This time he raised his voice. He opened his mouth. And he says, you know what to do. He's an imposing figure, full body armor, the sun reflecting his shining armor. And he says, My friend, don't make life difficult. Bow before Octavian. You smile with your friendliest smile. Your friends with you, you back off. Pretend you didn't hear. This time, the centurion shouted across the streets with his soldiers standing to attention. Follow what I say. Or three months in the dungeon. What would you do? What would you do? How did the Philippians believers cope with the iron rule of Rome that dethrones whatever was taught in the Bible? After your fellowship time, you're going down to the marketplace, the Agora. How could the Philippians believers live out their faith, let alone be a witness? Witness for Christ. Every now and then, their loyalty is tested. Every now and then, a fellow believer is thrown into the dungeon. Some didn't return from the imprisonment, their fate unknown. Under this kind of situation, how can the Christian in Philippi continue to be followers of Jesus Christ? But my friends, we are not in Rome. We are in Singapore, 21st century. Nobody is going to ask you to pay homage to anyone or any object. Our situation is better, much better. We live in peaceful times. Really? We live in peaceful times? The absence of occupying forces does not translate into the presence of peace. We do not bow down to Caesar but we prostrate before the onslaught of modern society. Many people are held ransom to their career. Others, others are bowled over by our children's education, by our choices in decision-making. Now, all these things are controllable factors. These are controllable factors. You hold the key. You decide. You can make a choice. What about uncontrollable factors? 
circumstances that you find yourself entangled in, consequences that came as a result of another person's action or maybe another person's inaction, challenges that threaten your well-being and possibly your life. So circumstances, consequences, challenges. You are studying for your mid-year examination. Suddenly you realise how broad the particular subject is. And your worst fears that you might not make it is becoming true. Or you are someone who has been working for many years for the same company and suddenly you are served with a notice of unemployment. You have been planning for the arrival of a newborn baby and then you got a call from a gynae. The gynecologist called to inform you of possible complications. You went to the doctor for your routine checkup, the health screening, and the x-ray shows some disturbing images that requires immediate admission to the hospital. You know what to do. When things do not go as planned, when things are not favourable, when your world begins to cave in, when you have no one to turn to, and you just have to face a situation alone, you know what to do. What should we do? This morning, I want you to understand that when your world is caving in, do not despair. You do not need to be fearful of being overwhelmed. The Bible assures us that peace is available and this peace is found in God alone. So I want all of us to prepare our hearts and minds for a time of learning. Please join me in a time of prayer. Dear God, we thank you that you have given us your word, the Holy Bible, to teach us how to live as citizens on earth. This morning we look at the topic of peace, which all of us desire to have, yet the world as we know it failed to offer, no matter how hard we try. Only you have the answer and we pray that we can learn it from your word recorded in our text for today. And so God, we ask that your word transform our lives more and shape us to be more and more like your son Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray and give thanks. Amen. Let's turn our Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. The last chapter of Philippians can be seen in two sections. Experiencing the peace of God, verses 5 to 7, and experience the God of peace, verses 8 to 9. God's peace is all-encompassing. It covers everything for a believer's life. Verse 5 to 7 talk about God's peace and we, we can have joy because God's peace is with us. The peace of God comes upon us. 8 to 9, verses 8 to 9 talks about God's presence, the God of peace. We can enjoy because God's presence is with us. Philippians 4.4, 4, a good verse to memorize, short and sweet. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. People who actively serve God generally, we generally reflect the joy, the joy of the Lord. When you actively serve God, you reflect the joy of the Lord. And this may explain why Paul suddenly inserted this verse in chapter 4, verse 4. And most commentators generally, okay, most commentators generally agree that this verse in Philippians 4, 4 reflects the most clearly the theme of Philippians. But as I mentioned before in the past, there are several themes that run through Philippians. Quenonia, partnership. Joy, of course. Unity. Let's move on to verse 5. 
If the peace of God truly abides within a person, it will reflect itself in our joy. And this joy is a wonderful byproduct. This joy is a byproduct of the peace described in verse 7, which we want to talk about. And then verse 8 to 9 describe how we can constantly experience this peace. There are four conditions to experience the peace of God. I thought it's important for us to recap some of these things so that prepare us for today's uh, message. The first condition is found in verse 5 and it's known as, it's called reasonableness or moderation. The King James Version used the word uh, gentleness. Another version used the word forbearance. Forbearance. Generally, we have very exacting standards for the church. We have very high standards for the church. In our pursuit of excellence, in our pursuit of excellence, we offer very little leeway. We offer very little leeway when things do not turn out as expected. When things turn out expectedly, good. When things do not turn out expectedly, we offer very little leeway. Now, the first condition to have this peace is, is that others, others are aware that we are people who get on easily with one another and with others. We are not confrontational. This is the first condition. Second condition, be prayerful. We must not worry since worry betrays a lack of trust. When you worry, you betray a lack of trust in God. Now, Paul's word can be translated as stop being anxious. And he offered prayer as a solution to worry. Imagine never worrying about anything. Now, it seems like an impossibility. We all have worries. Worries on the job, in our homes, at school. But Paul's advice is to turn our worries into prayer. So do you want to worry less? Then pray more. Whenever you start to worry, pause and pray. Verse 7 talks about the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. All difficulties are within God's purpose. All kinds of difficulties, all kinds of circumstances, challenges, consequences, uncontrollable factors are within God's purpose. In response, the peace of God brings power to endure. This peace surpasses our human understanding, our human knowledge. This peace calms, calms our troubling situation when explanation fails, when logic eludes us. This peace guards, okay, guards by keeping anxieties from hearts and minds. Verse 7 says that if anyone does the above things, God's peace will guard him. Now Paul used this military term, guard, that literally means to garrison. Right, to garrison, that means like to surround, to garrison our hearts and our minds. Hearts do, have to deal with choices. Our minds have to deal with attitude. Because Philippi was a Roman colony and a military outpost, we call this Little Rome, the garrisoning of the city of, by Roman soldiers was a familiar sight. When the Roman soldiers, soldiers came onto the city, when there's emergency, when there's curfew, the Roman soldiers surround the different areas of the city, there's safety. Citizens are guarded. There's no threat for external. The peace of God guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, it doesn't take a 
catastrophe to crush our umbrella of peace. I was on my way to church a week ago. The particular, particular morning, uh, that morning was uneventful. It's a routine morning, safe for the slower than usual crawl of rush hour traffic. The opening of the sea games and the addition of a traffic accident contributed to the almost two hour long, two hour long journey all the way from Aukang to Woodleigh. I alighted at the designated bus stop and as I crossed the road and walked towards church, I noticed something unusual. I boarded the bus with my carrier bag in one hand and the laptop in the other. I still had the carrier bag with me, but where's my laptop? It's on its way to some fortunate person who may be able to crack the password and then have a windfall. Now, where can I summon the inner reserve of looking at the bright side of life? Where does Romans 8.28 fit into this episode? I berated myself for my carelessness, but not long after that, my sanity, my sanity and my composure returned and I began to reflect on today's passage. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding. I refuse to let my carelessness spoil my outlook that God is in charge and He allowed it to happen. The peace of God surpasses all understanding. The God of peace will be with you. For the rest of the past journey, my prayer took a different tack. I want to be thankful even for failures and stupidity or carelessness so long as I believe something good can come out of it. I desperately want the peace of God that settles my racing heart. The GSS is around the corner, huh? Great Singapore seal. I comforted myself. Now, did I get my laptop back? We leave the story to another time. The peace of God is available to all believers. Do not be anxious. Pray instead of worrying. There are four conditions to experience the peace of God. Verse 5 gave the first. The others are aware of your reasonableness, your forbearance, your ability to withstand, the ability to accept others. Your gentleness. Verse 6, give the second. Do not be anxious. Do not mope, but pray. We move on to the third condition to experience this divine peace and that's today's passage. The third condition of, for enjoying the peace of God relates to a person's thought life, your thinking. Christians cannot enjoy God's pres- peace and presence if they are always allowing unwholesome thoughts to fill their minds. When we put our mind, the things that we put into our mind determines what comes out of it in terms of words and actions. Paul tells us to program our mind with thoughts that are true, honourable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent and worthy of praise. Do you have problems with impure thoughts and daydreams? Examine what you are putting into your mind through the television the internet, books, conversations, movies, magazines, and even newspapers. I'm not trying to say that we should do away with all this, but my point here is that purifying your mind. Replace harmful input with wholesome material. And you can do that by reading God's Word and praying. Ask God to help you focus your mind on what is good 
and pure. Six items are mentioned as objects of wholesome thought life, and each one is introduced with the word whatever. Whatever. Now, in the original language, the word whatever is plural. Whatever. Okay, it's plural, which suggests that several other things could be included under each heading. All right, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, everything can be included under this. Right? It's, it's plural form. Now, these six objects of thoughts are then described as excellent and worthy. These thoughts are excellent and worthy. True, the word true are things that is opposite of untruth, unreliable, dishonesty. Okay, our life must be filled with thoughts that are true. Cannot have any untruth in our life. Honorable refers to what is dignified and worthy of respect. Whatever is honorable, worthy of respect. Fill your thoughts with that kind of thinking. Just. Just has to do with what is right according to God's standard, not according to man's standard. God's standard can be known through Scripture. We have no excuse for not knowing what is right, what is just, according to God's standard. In my interaction with people, many times people come to me and ask me for a certain thing. A lot of times they are already kind of aware what should be the answer. And I happen to review again why the answer fits into their context. Just has to do with, do with what is right according to God's standard in the Word of God. Pure. Pure means stainless or chaste. Chaste that relates to things that encourage purity. Stainless. We have stainless steel spoons, right? Stainless steel means it won't rust. It refers to purity. Of course, the purest is 99.9, is it? Yeah, okay. You don't use that for a spoon unless you are very rich, okay? But let's move on to lovely. Lovely refers to things that incite true love. True love. Things that incite true love rather than erotic behavior. Instead of lovely, become lust. Commendable. Commendable relates to what is positive and constructive. Positive and constructive rather than negative and destructive. There are four conditions to experience the peace of God. Verse 5, be reasonable. Verse 6, be prayerful. Verse 8, be thinking about worthy thoughts. Pursue worthy thoughts. And the last condition to experience the peace of God is found in verse 9, which comes to our second point for today's sermon. Doing worthy deeds. This is the last and perhaps most important condition for enjoying God's peace. And that is to practice what we have heard and seen. Verse 9, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, the words in red, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Verse 5 says that the peace of God, surpasses all understanding, will be with you. Verse 9 says the God of peace will be with you. The emphasis shifts from right thinking, the six good thoughts, from right thinking to right doing. The former verse, verse 8, talks about the proper virtues for all of us to pursue. Verse 9 encourages the proper course of action to practice. If a person, if a person will take seriously, if you take seriously the four conditions given and put in practice, God will prove himself faithful to his promise. The God of peace will be with you. Now, it is not enough to hear or read the Word of God or even to know it well. Many of us are at that stage. 
We know the word of God very well. It is not enough. We must also put it into practice. How easy it is to listen to a sermon and forget what the preacher said, except for the story and the punchlines. How easy it is to read the Bible and not think about how to live differently. We are not in Rome. We are different. How easy it is to debate what the passage means and not leave out that meaning. Oh, that's good, but it's not for us. Exposure to God's word is not enough. It must lead to obedience. The Christian life involves proper thinking. Verse 8, it also includes proper deeds. Practice these virtues. Now, how do you encourage one another to put into practice these virtues? How do you encourage one another? Since the Philippians knew Paul well, he could ask them to follow his example. As they see how Paul lived out these very virtues and put these things into practices, they enjoy the presence of God. How? How do you encourage one another to put into practice what they already know? Now, there's a special bond between Singapore and Malaysia. Many of us have relatives and friends staying in Malaysia and vice versa. For that matter, my dad was from Tengano, my mom was from uh, Ipoh, Kampa, right? So our relations with Malaysia burns hot or cold, depending, depending at different times and on different occasions, okay? Uh, now, this rivalry between Singapore and Malaysia is most intense when both countries, most countries face off in the arena of sports. Now, you can't watch a Singapore versus Malaysia match without emotion, Okay, how many of you watched the Singapore versus Malaysia women's netball last Sunday, seventh of June? Singapore versus Malaysia women's netball. Malaysia will hold nothing back when they face Singapore, the Asian champions, and the three thousand strong Singaporean fans at the netball final at the OCBC Arena last Sunday. Singapore drew with Malaysia 35-35 in the group stages, the round-robin stages, 35-35. Both teams were prepared for an intense match. That meant a lot for both teams. Now, Malaysia's National Sports Council, the MSN, Director General, Dato' Ahmad Shapawi Ismail, had earlier voiced out that if Malaysia, if Malaysia did not win the gold medal, netball, netball will not be featured in the 2017 SEA Games, which will be held in KL. On the other hand, Singapore wanted to win the gold medal in front of our home crowd and live up to the title of Asian champions. Uh, please, I beg your understanding. We have Malaysian here. My parents are Malaysia. Are Malaysian. But do understand, there is intense rivalry between Malaysia and Singapore when we come together. Now, I watched the delayed telecast last Sunday after I, I went home, about in the evening, and both teams were evenly matched in skills and strategy. Both teams were equally good. There were seven players in the netball team. Seven players. Now, what tipped the game in our favour was the coach of the Singapore team, Ruth Etikin, a New Zealander. I call her the eighth player. Ruth Etikin. A bespectacled lady, a bespectacled lady whose appearance belies her intense passion for the Singapore players. At each time out, there are four, there are four quarters. At each time out, she will gesticulate and talk to the players with a maternal disposition. You know, there's a Sea Games camera to, to zoom in on them from the side and you see the coach encouraging the players, pointing with her fingers, raising her palms to bring her point across. 
the camera captured the mesmerized look on the faces of the Singaporean team. They really look up to her. Final score, very close, 46-43, three points away. This is the coach, the eighth player. For those of you in the capacity of influence, Sunday school teacher, care group leader, a ministry leader, elders, pastors, do you recognize your role in helping another believer to be a disciple? Can you say with a clear conscience like Paul that people can learn, receive, hear and see in your life the biblical values and virtues? Can you, can you say with a clear conscience? Now, put this aside. To inculcate these virtues in one another, you will first need to love them and believe in them. You need to thank God for your Christian brothers and sisters and let them know how deeply you care for them. Paul was in prison at the time of writing. He was waiting for the outcome of the verdict by the court. Whether he is in prison or whether he is free, Paul is confident that his example of Christ-likeness can stand up to the test. What you have learned, what you have received, what you have heard, what you have seen. It doesn't take much to crush your umbrella of peace and tranquility. It doesn't take much. There is the looming possibility of MERS, the Middle, Eastern, Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, arriving at our shore because of our open borders. There's, it doesn't take much to crumble and crush your umbrella of peace. A trip to build character and leadership for primary school children ended with tragic consequences. And when the, when the hot season is over, it's coming right now. The wet season comes. And with the wet season, the rainy season brings with it news of dengue fever and hot spots. When such times arrived, where can you find peace? Can you exclaim like Paul in Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always? Or rejoice in the Lord sometimes? Now God's peace is available to you. The peace of God is different from the world's peace, John 14, 27. And true peace is not found. True peace is not found in positive thinking, think the best outcome. No, it doesn't help. The laptop will not come to you even to think the best of the outcome. True peace is not found in positive thinking. True peace is not found in the absence of conflict. True peace is not found in good feel. True peace comes from knowing that God is in control. Our destiny is set. Our citizenship is in heaven. We can have the victory over sin. Let God's peace guard your heart against anxiety of any kind. And let God's presence be with you. Because you can experience the peace of God, verses 5 to 7. Because you can experience the God of peace, verses 8 to 9. I have tried to help you understand this idea that Christians have the peace and presence of God that brings us divine joy. Rejoice in the Lord always, Philippians 4.4. In verses 8 and 9, Paul exhorts us to pursue and to practice this virtue. Now, actively pursue and practice this virtue starts from an individual level and then it gets into the community of faith, into this community. This church, the church is a community of born-again believers, followers of Jesus Christ, now, Paul speaks about his role in modeling the truth of the gospel. He encourages the Philippian Christian to follow his example. Now, I think of our church situation. 
I think about our church situation. Now, for GBC to be taking this path to be a disciple-making church, it's not wishful thinking. It is not a reaction. It is a long-time coming thing. Almost two years back, we were wrestling with several challenges from different fronts. Two of them at least. Number one, the opportunity to rebuild our aging, but, most, but more importantly, our constrained facility that limits the potential to advance the gospel with intentional strategy. The other front comes from the presence of spiritual complacency and apathy. Now, these two issues needed to be resolved. And one of the key to resolving this is the unity of our hearts and minds. Uniting with one another and with God. We find this in the book of Philippians. How Paul helped the believers in Philippi to understand their citizenship, their identity. They are citizens of heaven. And Paul ensured that he not only teach them the truth, he showed them the truth by living it up. Paul, Timothy, Epaphroditus, in partnership with one another, three of them, and with God to build up the Philippian church. In the same way, we need to work together as a church. We need to be generous with our time, energy, efforts. We need to be willing to believe in people and helping to meet needs, encouraging one another, getting excited about the good things that happen to others and helping others in their spiritual walk. I want to encourage all of you especially those who are involved, especially those who are involved in the advancement of the gospel in GBC and beyond in the career young adult ministry. I am thankful for many of you who willingly stepped up and served faithfully, teaching, mentoring, and studying scripture. When I, when I think of one who faithfully and patiently ministers among the cohorts of the career young adults, I see Caleb. I see Caleb, yeah. In the DS ministry, discipleship, seminar ministry, those who are involved in faithfully preparing the lesson and putting together a sustainable curriculum that's in line with our vision. I see one pin. These are but two examples. There are many other unsung women and men serving in our midst. The children ministry, worship ministry, care group ministry, evangelism, missions, and appropriately, last but not least, the seniors ministry which the seniors prefer to be called ENJOY, which is an acronym, okay? It's not a verb, it's an acronym, ENJOY. Okay, you want to know the meaning? Look out for Bruce Mock, he'll explain to you. Now, why do I mention this? And because can others, can other people look at our lives that we really live out the faith? It's not easy, because we have challenges. We have some issues at the back of our mind. But the bottom line is, can others look at our lives and see Christ, and they will be willing to follow. And so for those names that I mentioned, the people who are involved in ministry, we've got to watch ourselves as well. All it takes is one, one silly mistake, one silly act, and whatever you have done will be deleted, will be washed away. Now, will there be more of you who are willing to help one another to learn, receive, hear, and see God's work in one another's life? That's our challenge, isn't it? That's the exchange zone. That is the coach. That is Ruth Etikin. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the gift of eternal life through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross in exchange of our pardon. We are people most in need of a fresh injection of a renewed vision of who you are. You are the God who has redeemed us with the precious blood of Christ and we stand before you justified, being sanctified daily and one day 
glorified in heaven. Help us as we embark on the important journey to become a disciple-making church that transforms lives with the gospel and love of Jesus Christ. May our lives reflect the exaltation in today's scripture, experiencing your peace and presence through actively pursuing and practicing these virtues. Not forgetting that you call some of us, you call some of us to be examples so that others can learn, so that others can receive, so that others can hear, so that others can see the truth of Christ-like living. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.